This is the A to Z podcast. Zach Jackson, Andre Knott, at Akron Jackson, at Dre Knott on most of your favorite social media platforms, at A to Z podcast.com, at Facebook.com slash A to Z podcast. Shouts as always to Scene, to the Honeymoon Girl, to American Fireworks for helping to make this thing happen. Shouts to you guys for helping it grow, for keeping us on task, for interacting, for all of that stuff. If you're new here, welcome. We do want you to know. We get excited, we say four-letter words, we wander into mature-slash-immature subjects. So if there's kids around, if you're in a work environment, put on your earbuds or come back and listen to the A to Z podcast at another time. Uh, we have re-entered a golden age in Cleveland sports. The Browns are 7-3, and three, and the Cleveland Cavaliers have acquired JaVale McGee. What is stopping Cleveland now? JaVale McGee! Yeah, leave JaVale alone. And you're like... I don't. How did you start the podcast on this? And you already said the four-letter word thing, right? It's Thanksgiving week. This is one of our favorite holidays. It is my favorite holiday. Um, you would know if you know our moniker, the two fat kids from Akron. Um, we'll talk about everything you want to talk about. But I gotta like <laughs> remember. Do you remember the move, the move the Lakers and Cavs made when LeBron was still a Cavs, and we all kind of freaked out. It was right at the trade deadline. Yeah, and we were like, "Oh my God, we're helping the Lakers, and we're helping the Lakers clear salary cap space. Yeah. Why would we do that?" Um, that's what the Javale McGee move felt like to me. It's like, damn, man, like Brian already got a chance, and I'm not mad. I'm not mad. I don't care. Like the Cavs got their championship. I, I'm fine with it. The NBA has worked the way the NBA has worked forever, and it's worked. To be completely honest, even in this goofy, weird year, um, but it's just unbelievable to me. When the Lakers want to double down on having just like AAU lineup 101 to go get another Gasol brother that they traded to get the other Gasol brother like two decades ago to help Kobe win a championship. Now they can get the other one back that they want to use as a trade to get one of the brothers. Then they're just like, oh, the Cavs will take a second round pick and JaVale McGee to help us out. And we take the call. It's like, <laughs> I probably shouldn't go this deep, but I just had a good cup of coffee. I shouldn't say this this early in the podcast because you never know who listens to the podcast. Um, but it's just like that. Never mind. I'm not going to say it. <laughs> it's just like that. What, it's like what that, a what, setup. Like and that then you person. say, never mind. I'm not going to say Well, because it's Thanksgiving week. It's just like, and everybody comes home from college, not us because we're in our 40s, but everybody knows that person you can call at 1.30 a.m. Wednesday night before Thanksgiving. And even though you haven't called them, even though you ain't been right to them, even though you haven't lived up to all the rules you made and how y'all gonna work, they still answer the phone at one thirty Wednesday night, the night before Thanksgiving. That's the Cavs yeah. and the Lakers. That's all. I mean, <laughs> I yeah. That up good. I mean, that's traditionally <laughs> the party night of the year, right? Yeah, um, yeah. Not there. Before we get into the sports. Um, Cause we're, I mean, that's what we're going to do. And we're not here to, we're not here to um, kill the, kill the vibe. Um, what, I mean, I, I can't, put, I don't want to put all your, all your business out on blast. Thanksgiving's our favorite. We've never made bones about that. Um, you're close to your family. Um, you live in your mom's basement is one of my running jokes that I'll never stop. You can be married with 18 kids. And I would still tell everybody you live in your mom's basement. Um, just and you have a grandfather, grandparents that are that are much older in his nineties. Um, how weird is it to look forward to our favorite? Um, I mean, we have friends that have lost parents this year. I've got multiple friends that have lost parents this year to do to different reasons, and we think about them and we and we shout them out because we are thinking about them. Just 
how weird is it preparing for Thanksgiving for you right now, um, just with all the oddities? And this isn't saying anybody's better or worse for doing what they're doing. Just um, how is preparing for a holiday that usually is our favorite fucking time of the year? Yeah, I mean, it's so strange, right? I'm, I'm usually, I mean, I'm not going out, out, out and, and chasing 3 a.m. anymore, but I'm almost always getting together with my friends that, you know, live out of state or live two hours away and come home, you know? Um, you're always getting ready for Ohio State-Michigan unless I'm traveling to a game and not going to be around for Ohio State-Michigan, you know? Right, um, right. Always making plans to go to multiple houses and, and see my grandparents and, see my cousins um you know we have a tradition of the last probably 15 years of four or five of us at minimum going to um you know the local bar that springer calls the racist yeah. hunting lodge <laughs> you know and there's people lying. in there that that's when i see them once a year because they come home from philadelphia from new york wherever and everybody knows that from eight to ten ish like we're gathering there you know um and some classic stories have come out of that stuff. Some classic hangovers oh, have come out of that stuff. Um, maybe my favorite Black Friday story is the time that me and Kendig ended up on the sideline of a Kent State Buffalo game. You yeah. didn't have passes. Yeah. <laughs> didn't have tickets. Had red cups in our hand. Not only made yeah. it in, but made it all the way to the sideline. That's how few people were there. <laughs> I love our lives. <laughs> I, love, I, love, I love this shit we've gotten away with. Just, we just right. make normal. <laughs> right. We've we gotten away with some shit. You're correct. So, yes. um, yeah. So, yeah, it's different, man. Um, you know, my, my one set of grandparents, they text. It's, it's not great. <laughs> it's yeah. sometimes not decipherable. <laughs> But you're able to stay in touch, and I think we as a collective group of cousins, however many of us there are, you know, we, we stay in touch. We do our part. Um, my aunt from out of state was able to come in a couple of weeks ago and went over, and everybody stood outside, and I got to see my grandparents and see my aunt and uncle, you know, who live thousands of miles away for 15 minutes. Uh, but, yeah, just the biggest thing to me, Dre, is like normally it's a the week is a break in my work schedule. It's a awesome yeah. football watching weekend uh but now like just an hour ago before we started setting this up i was talking with my boss and it's like well readership and people keeping engaged is going to be up tenfold not just because the browns are actually good but because most what people aren't going anywhere with? so we can treat it like right. a normal day a normal weekend right. you know so yeah. that sucks for you. it sucks for you but it, it's realistic yeah you know, and like, like you know we're I, talking nba free I, agency usually the nba season will be four weeks old Right? Um, right. College basketball is supposed to start on Wednesday, but those games are folding fast. And just speaking of an hour before this, the Ravens come out and say right. at least four players slash staff members have COVID. They're supposed to play Thursday night in Pittsburgh. And, you know, Thank that's you been the reality of the NFL. Um, I had a team employee tell me last week, we've been talking about this on this podcast for weeks, that I hate every morning. We dread every single morning because we don't know, right. you know, what it's going to bring. But – as that pertains to the Browns, who are in the midst of making a run and building something. You know, the Ravens played the Titans yesterday. The Browns play Jacksonville this week, and their next two games are against the Titans and the Ravens. So, right. it's, from a national standpoint, from everybody being stuck in their house and watching Thursday night, everybody hopes like hell that we get Ravens-Steelers. But for the Browns directly, yeah. they're, 
you know, if there's fallout from that game, who knows what's going to happen. And I will say that Ravens Titans game was fantastic. I'll get into and we can run through some of the football stuff later on. Um, when you talk about, and I hadn't thought about this, um, back to the Thanksgiving part of things. Because, um, you know, in this year of, of, of selfishness, um, I, you know, in my selfish ways, I'm just, you know, you've made fun of it. Um, few of you guys have made fun of it. I've folded myself up inside my house with my family and been good with it. And I've uh, been relatively happy with it. And I was talking the other night, I was listening to some, something else, or I was listening to a podcast, dealing around with something else. I am working on a bunch of other stuff. Because um, I'll admit, these last two, three months, has um, it's motivated me for the first time in a long time. It's motivated me like I was in my 20s. Um, when this shit's over, Zach, I'm breaking out like the hawk, like like the hawk. Like I'm, I got <laughs> shit I want to accomplish and do. Uh, you know, like I, I just, I just feel like a lot of us, you know, I don't want to say we've just accepted things, but a little success for a lot of us is all we need because we've got everything else that makes us happy. Um, I don't want to sit back on my laurels. There's other things I want to conquer and overcome. So I've been working on that type of shit. But it hit me the other day of just, you know, it's easy for me to sit around and be like, I'm good locked up. I'm good. You know, I got my kids. I got my family. My parents aren't that far away from me. My in-laws aren't that far away from me. We've, we've all kind of, you know, stayed within our own little bubble. Uh, been able to, you know, my main thing is keeping my kids happy. But I do think about, and it's really a shout out to everybody that, um, that is single, that doesn't have the situation that I have. Um, and, and trying to figure out, you know, how to go through these holidays and how to avoid depression, how to avoid, um, you know, finding something that brings some normalcy to your life because there's so much non-normalcy around you. Um, so I hope podcasts like this, writing like Zach does and other people do, um, even if it is an inconvenience for Zach, an inconvenience for other writers, not to have the normal week that they would have. Um, I'm hoping that you guys that, that are going through some situations that are a little – I know we don't do this, but we do need to do this. Um, mental health is, is real. That shit's real. Um, and I, I can just think that these are the weeks that is toughest for mental health, whether you're 20 years old and think you have the world figured out or whether you're 40 years old or anywhere in between and think you have the world figured out. These are the hardest weeks, um, whether everything's perfect with your family or everything's not perfect. So I hope you find someone to talk to, someone that – Someone that can bring cheer into your life. Somebody that can make you smile. Um, someone that can break it down better than I can break it down. Because I don't know. It's not the life that I'm living. Um, but I don't want people to go through this and feel like they're alone um, through any of this shit. Hopefully there's something that you can read on The Athletic. Or there's a book that you can read um, that gets you through it. Or I read there was a story in New York City that some sex club was broke up Saturday night. Had 600 people, 300 people in a sex club getting their COVID on. Um, however you find your happiness. Yeah. Um, get through this. I'm glad you said that because it's like in the holidays, like I've never for a long time, just never been a person who gives a shit. Right. It's an extra day to sleep in for me, you know? Um, and even my mom who's bah humbug and probably the biggest reason I am this way, you know, as we've gotten older and we've been fortunate to still have my grandparents and still have so many people around, like, it's taking on a little more meaning and making sure we're doing something, making sure we're reaching out, but no more than that. But some people are really, really into the holidays and you're right. This is going to beat on them mentally. So, um, yeah, so we'll talk football and basketball and give you our opinions, which are right. And you'll still argue, but, um, you know, like pick up the phone this week, send a text, reach out, take, yeah. just dedicate 10, 15 minutes to, to press, actually dial the phone, which is hard for all of us. I know or send that text because, 
Um, Make some phone calls. Yeah. Sorry yeah. to call. Don't be hey, as a guy though. I got to say one thing. Don't none of y'all motherfuckers be uh, trying to FaceTime with me. All right. I ain't trying to look at it. <laughs> I mean, if you need that, you need that. But I ain't trying to look at y'all. But you can call, call people, have a conversation, reminisce. Yeah. Um, I did that with a buddy. I got. I'll tell a quick story, then I'll, I'll go into NBA draft, and then we'll go. I got a buddy that you know. Zach, the, the coolest thing Zach and I have, and this isn't a brag about Zach and I, but we got a lot of friends still that we can text and instantly go into a high school story in like five seconds, you know, or go into a college story like you just told. And one of my best friends growing up, um, we played baseball together, went to Little League World Series together, went to Kent together. He got kicked out. Um, and I love him, and I won't say his name. But something popped up that an Outcast song came out, you know, 27 years ago or 17 years, whatever it was, doesn't matter, 17 years ago. And his dad's name was Larry. And we would always mess with his dad because his dad wanted nothing to do with rap music, thought we were clowns. Uh, and we would always call him Ale Dog, nothing but the lats. So I saw that and I sent it to my buddy. And I was like, hey, man, you know, I was like, every time I hear this song, I think of riding in the back of your dad's car going to baseball tournaments. Uh, that's what our headphones on, listening to Outcast and him calling us idiots because we didn't know what the hell good music was. And, you know, he like sent something back to me and he texted. He was like, oh, that's great. And I'm like, and then I text back, you know, how's your family? How's, and he's like, yeah, the kids are good, da, da, da. He's like, yeah, but my dad's in the hospital right now, just had a really bad stroke. And, that, like, and that's why I'm having the conversation I'm having. On the, I know this is different than how we usually start the podcast. But um, that was a punch in the gut for me because that was about the third text last week that I sent back or conversations I had with old friends where they're just going through some shit, you know, and, it, and it's not – and, it, and I felt bad because I was like, dude, why didn't you tell me this? And he was like, well, I'm not trying to bring you down. I'm not trying to – I'm like, but no, dude, you you know, we've been friends since we were fucking 12 years old. Um, you know, we know – you know, you and I – Zach and I have friends that – Zach grew up that are friends with this person. You know, like the six degrees – and it, it, it sucked. And, like, literally just made me um, take a deep breath and realize there's a lot going on outside of just my household. And um, it sucked because I didn't expect to hear that. And – we were laughing and talking, and then we had a real talk. So, do that with your friends. Do that yeah, with your family. Yeah, I mean, um, right. We all need you just don't know. to recenter and, you know, understand there are more important things in the world than Baker Mayfield not being good enough to ever win anything with the Browns. Um, he ain't accurate. Carson Wentz is worse. Woo! Was eh, that bad? Yeah, eh, eh, I got it. You know, he, he was. But, this, but you know what? All right, I, I was going to ask you about the NBA draft first, but fuck it. Let's go. Well, no, you um, can't. I mean, I was just, you nah, know. No, nah, no, nah, we can't. We'll get back. No, nah, there ain't nothing to talk about with the NBA draft. I know none of them son of a gun. And I know I'm cussing more than usual, but fuck it. That's just where I'm at. I felt like I was 80 years old during the NBA draft. I know I know there was no college football, basketball last year. But, Zach, is that what I got to get used to when it comes to the NBA draft going forward? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it, yeah, it was weird. Uh, but everything's weird. You know, they're doing free agency now yeah. in the trades. Um, to me, the one thing we could talk about NBA-wise that anybody who would listen might care about, other than the Cavs' overall relevance problem. Um, you know, Tristan Thompson leaves, and it was probably time, and it was fine. Um, you know, Dre, he, he's beloved here. He was part of these teams. Um, I just think with all these awful players – getting 60 million and he signs two years 19 like i guess my concern yeah. would be his body's got to be broken down right yeah like, but what other explanation I, I, is there i thought he could, i thought it, okay it's funny you say that because i thought he could get a little bit more 
because of what he brings. To the yeah, team. that's what I'm saying. But like, I mean, how can yeah. some of these players who have never done anything, when you right. have a guy like Tristan who can guard multiple spots, guard the pick and roll, and automatically is going to get you 12 boards if he plays 30 minutes? How can he? Right. I mean, that's pen, that's minimum wage by today's NBA standards. What he said. I agree, and that's where I don't. And I'm glad you said it that way. I guess I just don't understand how the money works now in basketball because to me, I would much rather give, and I, it's not our money. I would much rather give him 15, 16 a year if I'm Boston than the kind. Well, see, Michael Jordan is a goat player, and he's actually a goat when it comes to signing players. Like I and I and I look, I like the the guy that they got from Boston. I don't know if he deserves 124 million dollars. <laughs> But that you know, like, it, like it's just it's weird to me because, as you said, Tristan Thompson, whether it's an AAU team, an NBA team, a college team, a high school basketball team, that is a commodity that you have to have because there's only like a handful of him in the world that you don't have to draw one play up for. Will play hard. Will be a leader. Will you know the Kardashian part of it is the only thing I've, I here I'll say this I don't I'm not even gonna make fun. Um, I. I got I knew Tristan the day Tristan was was drafted and Kyrie the next day I did a promotional thing with them and hung out with them hung out with them in the, in the own weird way we did this thing for Pepsi and we went to hospitals um Tristan's always been a normal guy to me and that's like the best compliment I can give um he never big time me he always remembered you know like how we met he always worked as he always just was a normal northeast ohioan I wish nothing but the best for him um, I read something in Jason Lloyd's story about him leaving that blew me away that I didn't know that I will always remember. And I'll say right here, because I think all of us should remember this, uh, because if you forget, last two games, of, we don't. number one, we know this already. We don't have a banner inside Rocket Mortgage, whatever it's called, uh, Fieldhouse, without him. That's right. You know he didn't miss a, he didn't miss a basket the last two games of the 2016 NBA Finals. Now, I know it's not like he's a jump shooter or anything like that. But do you know how solid he was? And we're, they, the team that we don't, we don't have a parade without Tristan Thompson. No, that's team, true. So. And the, the outpouring of love that I saw is just proof of when you haven't won a championship forever, right? How, how special and what regard this team is going to be held. And you're right. He, he, was, he was awesome um, for that team. And, and we'll see how, how that all plays out. It, it certainly will be interesting. But you're right. They don't win the trophy. They don't hang a banner without Tristan Thompson. I have one really good Tristan Thompson story. Um, I think it was the second year, the 15 playoffs, when he really started playing well. Yeah. Um, and maybe the 16 playoffs, I guess, because LeBron came back in the summer of four. Anyway, he really started playing well. And, you know, you watched him play, and anything outside of a dunk was an adventure. And it was like right. – well, he rebounds, he guard, guards five positions, like he just fits what the NBA is becoming, even though you you just don't know, like, what he's going to give you offensively. So I call his college coach, Rick Barnes, and it, you know, Tristan's in the b- bigger picture here, this isn't really the story, but he's in that wave of Canadian guys that started coming over. Mm-hmm. Obviously, Texas was paying them, and, you know, they were coming from Canada at 15, 16, and being placed in these prep schools across the country, and. I think Tristan went to three different Any, – anyway, he goes to Texas. He's there one year. He averages like eight points. He gets drafted number four overall. So right. I'm talking to Rick Barnes, who was a great guy in a great interview, 
And I'm basically asking him, like, okay, he's still really bad offensively, but, like, how far has he come? And, you know, I wasn't – there's delicate ways you kind of ask those questions. But Barnes was being, like, completely right. open and just saying, you know, all that, that he could do and all he had worked on and blah, 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 and telling me about, you know, his switching hands because he was so bad with his initial strong hand that he st- that he switched to the other hand in the middle of his basketball career as far as shooting the ball, right? Right, right. So he's telling me this story, and I remember I was sitting in a parking lot somewhere re- listening and recording this, and I just was like flabbergasted. And I said, Coach, in all your years, you know, 40 years in this business, have you ever had a guy that has actually switched hands in the middle of his career? And he said, Zach, I haven't, but I had a lot who should have. And I will never forget that as long as I <laughs> And that's, you know, there is the Kardashian stuff and there is whatever. He was drafted when the Cavs were at their lowest point. Um, you know, he was on a lot of teams that were really low, but he was absolutely a key component of the Cavs at their highest point, And he will be remembered here. And I don't think, you know, like I said, I'm not 1% close to these Cavs, so I don't know. But I feel like it was time to move. I feel like there was probably an understanding that that both sides were going to move along, right? Well, they tried to sign him, from what I heard. But they they were going lower than the Celtics. Um, And they got too many bigs. They... Like the Cavs are, let's be, and by the way, I've got Tristan stories, but I can't even tell them on this podcast. <laughs> Maybe in like 15, 20 years, I can tell them they're good. Uh, they're that good. Maybe we'll save those for the book. I just think the Cavs are in, like, how many big men? I mean, what is basketball nowadays? Like, what are the Cavs trying to, like, not even, I'm not even being funny. Like, you know, like, they got Andre Drummond. They now got JaVale McGee. They still have Kevin Love. Um, how many big men do you usually use? Everybody else is going small, it seems. Yeah. Um, you know, what are the, you know, what are, I don't know. And I'm not, and I'm not, I'm, I'm literally saying, I don't know. I'm not being a smart ass. Um, I don't know what you're trying to accomplish or where you're trying to go. I just, at this point, if I'm Kobe, I would have to feel like it's time to move Kevin Love and, and truly start all the way over um, because it's time. Like, what, you're like, why? I just don't see many positives coming from Kevin Love having to play 30 minutes being hurt every other, you know, week, um, not totally, and it's not Kevin's fault, not totally being, you know, 100% in because why would you? They got to, in my opinion, you got to find a place to move. You got to move Kevin Love. It's time um, because that's where you're at. And to develop these young kids to find out what the hell you have, you got to move Kevin Love, in my small opinion. Well, you know, you want to get something for him. Um, but you know, they pick up JaVale McGee Drummond's on a one year, like they're two years away from being two years away. Right. So they're just still trying to collect contracts and hope they can turn them into something. Um, you let the young kids play, you got all these small guards and now you got a Coro. Um, we'll see. Uh, it's interesting because the thought there is you just take the best play. The kid's 19 years old, right? Got yeah. going to get a lot bigger, a lot stronger. And you're, you're hoping that he becomes your number one wing defender and you're hoping and you're counting on that he'll become a better shooter. Right. But you're just nowhere near counting on one thing or saying we're, we're filled at one position. You're just trying to collect talent. Every player is an asset, you know, um, like the center thing is interesting and it's fascinating across all levels of basketball, 
I mean, the Lakers had none. They had JaVale McGee and they had Dwight Howard. They couldn't trust either one of them. They never played one of them for more than six minutes at a time the whole playoffs. Well, <laughs> they got rid of both of them, couldn't wait. Who knows what Mark Gasol has left, but they went and got Harold, who's going to bring an edge there, yeah. right? Um, Hell yeah. You know, they just need Anthony Davis's body to hold up, and we'll see if LeBron's even suiting up when the season restarts here in four weeks. Um, but you would think by Harold, by Schroeder, that they've upgraded. Now, they signed Contavious Caldwell-Pope to like 10 times more than he's But Again, we're wandering way too far down in. It's just yeah. the, the numbers, like, I, I try not to get involved with them, right, and I don't have to, but to see Tristan sign two for 19 – and Caldwell Pope's certainly not the only guy that makes you say, what no. in the world is well, this team doing? That's agency. That's agency. Because um, the, guy, the guy they took from the Clippers is worth more than Caldwell Pope. Like, that contract's terrible. Like, for what what, what he brings, what Harold brings to the table, he should be making what Caldwell Pope is making. But like you said, it's out of our it's, – it's, it's another world. It's out of our jurisdiction. It's where the game is at right now. Um, say what you want about Rich Paul. Uh, Rich Paul and LeBron got a lock on what's going on. And it's pretty obvious in some of these contracts you see. And I'm going to leave it at that because I, I'm not an NBA expert, but it's pretty obvious to me. Um, and I can't blame the Lakers for doing what they're doing. Because as you, you just made the point of points. We both know, and anyone with, the, with that's watched the NBA or knows the NBA, there's no way in hell LeBron and Anthony Davis are going to play close to – they may play 50, 45 to 50 games, regular season games after what they just went through to win a title and everything else, I just don't see them playing, you know, 75% of the season maybe. So doing what they're doing and hopefully they can win games from their standpoint, you know, with their, with the other guys that they signed. Not I only they felt like that was the best way for them to go. Not only do I want LeBron to not play on Christmas, I want him to stay home and I want him to spend that time on social media in his pajama pants, drinking wine, showing all the other shit he's doing, saying to the NBA, I'll see you in a few months. <laughs> he might. And he might. <laughs> That's the best part about it. He really might. Um, all right, let's get to football. Like, there's not much else I can say about basketball. Hopefully the number one pick becomes Oladipo. At best, as I, as I talk to somebody that knows, he gets a jump shot with his athletic ability, his youth. Um, let's keep our fingers crossed. That's what he becomes. Um, yeah. hey, let me ask you this, though. We've now had a NFL draft um, basically through Zoom and an NBA draft through Zoom. Which one do you think virtually was better? The, the NFL. And then I'll go. The NFL. I mean, it just, it just is. Now, three days but is why? too much. Um, it's not going back, but the NFL. People are so dialed in to the NFL. And the NBA is still doing the ancient bullshit where trades aren't processed. Right? Yeah. yeah and that's, that's weird. Yeah. It's just, you know, the, the NFL draft has become almost its own sport. The, the NFL draft is one of the top five most popular sports in this country. Hey, man. I, I guess. Right? You're in the bubble. And somebody, <laughs> somebody told me about baseball, and they're right. When you're in the bubble, you just see it differently um, than when you're outside of it. I just – I'm getting that age. The drafts are just eh to me. Like, I watched both of them about the same. Like, I knew what was going on, but I had something else going on too. No <laughs> doubt. You know what I mean? <laughs> but, but, like, the NBA, the player movement is the player movement. And as we talked about last week, you're drafting these kids at 18, 19, 20 for really what they're going to be in five years, and there's no way to know. 
But like right. the NFL, the draft is still the lifeblood of these teams. You need so many guys, you know, and the salary structure where the first four years they're so affordable and the careers are so short and lines are so thin. It's still the lifeblood of team. Teams are still winning big time games and winning in big time ways because of guys they draft in rounds four, five, and six, Dre. Yes. Yes. All right. Um, do you remember what Tim Couch looked like in 2001? Yeah. Uh, beat to hell. That's what Carson Wentz looks like to me. Yeah. And I know we, uh, this is my way. I understand when you say that, and I get from the Cleveland Browns standpoint of watching that game yesterday. It was very easy to say, God, Carson Wentz stinks. And he, you know, he does stink. And he'll, he stinks at this point in time. I don't watch enough Philadelphia games. I know a little bit about the NFCs, but he looks like a, a gun shy guy that's got the crap beat out of him. And I think it's twofold, Zach. I think he had some success early in his career running around. You know, we, we taught, he's a decent enough athlete. But we both, and it's the old age, it's the you know the age old story of being an athletic quarterback in the NFL. And when you're six foot, what is he six six? I mean, he's a giant uh, when it comes to height. He's gotten the hell beat out of him, and I think he got away with some stuff his first year, first couple of years. And he also had better compliments around him. He had better receivers around him. Uh, the receiving core that he has right now is eh. The crazy thing is he's got good running backs and they got good yards, but they don't stick to it enough. I guess when I hear your comment, I just I, I hedge my bet by saying, yes, he's terrible in the pocket, but yes, he's also getting hit every time he takes. The yeah, drop. he is. Um, that that line's given him no chance. There's, that's for sure. Uh, it's really just really bad, really all around. I mean, he he was not getting to open guys yesterday, and some of that was the Browns not giving him a chance to right. And this was without right, Miles right. Garrett, no doubt. Um, yeah, when your line is reeling, um, you're 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 reeling. As as I've said, I mean, Jason, you know the Jason thing Peters, that's most encouraging with the Browns is when you're good on the lines, you're built to last. And we've seen it with the Ravens this year. We've seen it with the Cowboys this year. I mean, yep, now the yep, Eagles, yep. right? And and somebody scarily, unfortunately, is going to win that division, right? Um, yeah. But who, buddy? I um, mean, I I mean, Jay, think about it, Jason Peters. Their left tackle, who started at left tackle for them yesterday, he shouldn't play. He should be with him and Joe Thomas were the premier left tackles in the NFL from like '05 to you know till I don't know '15 maybe. Mm-hmm. Like those were the those were the left tackles of left tackles during Joe Thomas's time. Peterson doesn't have it anymore, and I and I'm curious, and maybe you'll know, or maybe this is a question you could find out. I don't interview Browns players or get on those Zoom calls. Possibly being in the NFC East, was there a book that uh, Olivier had yesterday? Because he played—I've never seen him play in a Browns uniform the way he played yesterday. Yeah, and it was like I, he knew he could dominate that guy. I mean, Jason Peters is our age, and they signed him to play guard, and they had to move him right. to tackle. But yeah, I mean, right. those guys have played against each other for years, so sure. Um, look, the Browns had a good plan. Credit to Joe Woods, right? Yeah. Um, Credit to those guys for stepping up because we all know what Miles has meant to that defense. It's out there that you can quantify it, and it's out there that you can't in terms of how he changes everything about how teams block them, how teams attack them, what they do and have to do and can't do. And on a day they didn't have him, the Browns just flat-out dominated. Um, So Wentz was bad. 
The Browns made him worse. The one, the way to win that game and make that statement was to force turnovers, was to get pressure, and they did it consistently. They made an adjustment, whatever it was, after the first drive of that game, and yep. the defense just took over the next two and a half quarters until, it, until the game was over. When when Parkey makes that field goal, Jerry 10-7, like mid-third, maybe not even mid-third, I'm sitting there going, this game's over. Unless somebody puts oh, a ball yeah. on the ground or falls down, this game's over. Because that's how dominant the Browns' defense was against Wentz. Well, and I guess the question comes back to it, and I know Lloyd wrote about this a little bit, and I'm sure you will throughout the week. Um, DVOA numbers? Yeah. Say the Browns' defense is getting better. Um, I don't want to be negative. I just want to be real. Um, I mean, there's nothing that – without Garrett on the field, there's nothing that I would say I fear with the Browns' defense. They've taken advantage of the weather that they've had. Uh They've taken advantage of the teams that they have played. Uh, but there has to be growth. And, and I'm being serious. There's growth in success, no matter who it's against, no matter sure. what the weather's like. Um, and I give Joe Woods credit because I still don't think they're a great defense. Uh, Harrison, every time I, I want to take a big step and think that he could be a player in that secondary, it seems like he gets banged up. I thought that was a big, I thought that was a big minus yesterday that he couldn't finish the game. They need to find out if that guy can play strong safety. And I think he can, Zach. Um, you know, Taki Taki, he made a play. And that's all you can ask for. And I, you know, I remember um, the GM back during the offseason when Schobert let, was let go. They were kind of like, hey, you know, Barry said this, and I kind of chuckled, but he's right. Like, the only way you can find out about your young players is playing them. And they're playing them. And mm-hmm. I'm not, you know, I'm not sitting here seeing the, the next Ray Lewis, but hell, who has the next Ray Lewis? And who has a white suit they need to hide anyway? Um, that play for Taki Taki, I don't know what he is as a linebacker, but he made a play, and it was a big play. That doesn't hurt this week when they've got to get on him on filling, filling the A gap when they're running up the middle. That doesn't, you know, those little things help, I guess is what I'm saying. Oh, no doubt that, that having success have. helps. And, and no doubt yeah. that going back, this, you know, this Browns team had every right to get better just organically, right, with all right. the time they lost and everything new and so many of these guys. I mean, Taki played almost no real defense last year. Uh, Very little. You know, cameo appearances in a handful of games. He was just a special teams player. That's probably all he's ever going to be. But you're right, for their confidence. I mean, Matt Wilson was not right. He was much more active yesterday, right? He's healthy. Oh, yeah. He's healthy. He showed it on on Twitter, too. Well, he does. That's what he does. Um, (laughs) That's what he do. (laughs) Right. But, you know, this is a guy that – you know, played as a rookie, got some experience and showed some stuff. And on like the third day of training camp, got hurt and missed all of training camp. I mean, that's valuable time, even if he was held 100% the day he came back and he wasn't. You know, that's just, no. that's how this goes. So, you know, I, to fa- listen, here's how I'd say about the Browns. Your head coach is really good. He understands his team's strengths and weaknesses. Uh, the bootlegs yesterday were the best way to offset that Eagles D line, which which is really good and was having a good day. And then when yeah. it came down to it, and the one way to salt it away was to run and pound, they did. They bunched some guys up. They stuck with it. And I mean, the best highlight reel in the NFL right now um, is is Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt's fourth quarter highlight reel. It really is. Yeah. <laughs> like what I love. Yeah. What I love. And and I don't, I don't know I you know you, you do all these interviews and talks I don't know if it was you and I having this conversation last week about the weather forcing Stefanski to 
kick to the run last week when, you know, where we see teams, if they get down three, they get down seven, you know, the offense gets a little bit more wide open. Uh, you throw the ball around a little bit more. You, you can go, it's easier to go away from the run more so than any ever time that we've ever, than you and I have ever been alive. Um, and because of the weather, the fancies had to stick with it. Right. And yesterday, I may have been with, with Petrak, but I talked about this. And I love now for two weeks in a row, the games have been tight, and Stefanski is stuck with the run, whether he wanted to or not. And by sticking to the run, the old adage that we've always been told and we've always heard is it's like a heavyweight fight. You keep hitting the body, you keep hitting the body, you keep hitting the body. And, and if you, when you wear that body out, the knockout run is coming. And, you know, I mean, what, the Browns had like 55 yards rushing, I think, through the first three quarters yesterday? Yeah. And then boom, and then boom, Chubb with a 54-yard run. Um, I think that's amazing. I think it's a hard, it's a hard thing to stick with as a coach um, because it's not sexy nowadays um, it, to keep running for three yards, keep running for two yards, keep running for six yards. That's not just how the game is. You know, everybody's been playing Madden. Everybody got Madden plays. Everybody wants to open it up and show how crafty they are. Mm-hmm. I have to stand in his coaching staff, and I think they have. They realize that you can go down to Jacksonville and you can do the same thing. You don't have to throw. I think they threw 22 times yesterday. Um, they threw 20 times the week before. Um, that doesn't help in the conversation of figuring out what number six is, but it helps you win games. And it helps you establish who and what you are. Um, and it makes six's job easier because six is going to have to do something sooner or later. But you've been able to make it through about a month now, Zach, where six hasn't really made a difference one way or the other. It's basically just been like, don't turn the ball over, and you're going to be all right. Well, That's we'll talk, huge. In the yeah, go ahead. Let's talk about him in a second, but just let me say this about Nick Chubb before we get away from that. For as long as we've been doing this podcast, we've talked about Antoine Winfield stunting your growth, hitting you so hard in a football Ooh. game, and we talked about yeah. Mike Vrabel telling you that he would end your life pretty much <laughs> in a football game. Yeah, and both of those oh, hits involve 14-year NFL players on a pretty good high school player. Right? Yep. Yep. Nick Chubb stiff armed a 275 pound fellow NFL player. <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, <laughs> um, like, imagine that cat. He's a, he's a rookie, too. Imagine him at Thanksgiving trying to explain to his family what the hell happened yesterday. <laughs> I mean, Chubb is, listen, man, it's better to be lucky than good. And, all those teams started taking running backs at the end of that first round and passed on Nick Chubb, and the Browns got him. And Hugh Jackson was so – I mean, you just can't get over the fact Hugh Jackson was so bad that John Dorsey had to trade Carlos Hyde on a Friday afternoon to say, play this kid. And one of the smart-ass readers in the comment – I made a comparison. I used a stat from the the Browns' notes about he's chasing down Jim Brown's records, and some idiot came and said – well, you can't do that because Jim Brown only played 14-game season. Guys, Jim Brown has been retired for 60 years, and there's a reason they still call him the greatest, right? right. I'm not comparing right. the numbers. I'm saying that in every in the history of the Browns, the fact that Nick Chubb is now one in a few, but number two in like every other major rushing category, three and a half seasons into his career, tells you Amazing. how good he is. Right, it's not a comparison to Jim Brown or to anyone else, uh, based on no. numbers. It's to say, I, oh my God. Yeah, I you know I could do a whole podcast on Nick Chubb. Um, yeah, I haven't run a football in twenty some years, you know where it matters. Um, but I've sat in a lot of those running back rooms 
whether before I played in high school, when I played in high school, when I got to college. And you talk about footwork and, you know, making the most out of the, the – you know, it's just like anything else. And what they try to teach running backs is, like, cut out all the extra. Make every step matter. Make every step you – know, make every cut. Don't do anything extra because you don't got time to do extra. And he exemplifies that better than any running back I've ever seen in my life. Now, that's just my small opinion, and my opinion means very little. But I think if you would go to most running back coaches and you would show them clips and cut-ups of Nick Chubb's runs, the first thing they would say is, just look at his – you know, and Phil Savage used to tell us about looking at players. Watch their lower half. Their feet will tell you everything. Nick Chubb's feet and how he gets from point A to point B as quickly as possible with no wasted steps. Zach, it's one of the most unbelievable characteristics I've seen in a football player in my entire life. Mm -hmm. It is amazing – how he can cut and go backside. You said, I think you said it last week, you know, on his first touchdown where he's going right, boom, on one cut, he's going back left. And he's circling into the end zone and no one can get a hand on That He makes that look so easy. That's not easy, guys. That's one of the hardest cuts to make in the world. Um, it's not only not wild. easy, and, and you talk about the sweet feet, like if you've ever seen Nick Chubb in a pair of shorts and not in his football pants, like his thighs are bigger than the kitchen table that I'm sitting on now. Right. He still has those feet. Right. Like it's yeah. it, he is a true once in a lifetime freak, and he might end up in Canton. I mean, he's that good. He, I, I said yeah. coming into this year, this is one of the three most gifted backs in in the NFL. You know, is he the best? Where does he rank? None of that shit really matters. You can't solve it. You can argue about it all you want, right? He hasn't produced like a couple of the other guys. He has played on bad teams, blah, blah, yeah. But like people are starting to see that he's not just one of the best running backs. Like he's one of the best football players. And those little cuts. Like Nick Chubb, I mean, he's leading the league in 20-plus yard runs, and he missed half the season. He missed four games. Right. right. But like how many fucking amazing four-yard runs does Nick Chubb have? Right? Oh, like He is a pleasure to watch. Man. Yes. God, I hope he's healthy. And it, you know, so the other thing, one stat that I love. So he leads the league in 20 of our 20 plus yard runs after missing four games. Um, and Hunt, his counterpart, perfect Batman Robin situation. And I love that you don't have to call one of them like, you know, we always got the, you know, one's thunder, one's lightning. They both are thunder and lightning, which is awesome. They both have breakaway speed. They both, and they're running plays that work for Hunt. But Hunt has the most yard, most runs of 10 plus yards yes. in the NFL this year. <laughs> I mean, that, that to me, those are the stats. That's your Cleveland Brown. It's beautiful. And I like something else you said. They've got a really, they got a really good coach. And I don't get into, coach, you know, into votes for coach of the year. But anybody that's paid attention, and I don't know what's going to happen over these next six, eight weeks. No one does. If Kevin Stefanski doesn't get some votes for coach of the year, then that, that award doesn't mean anything. Well, I mean, I would what, say this. A, I would say never get worried about it because the next year, who's ever remembered who won Coach of the Year? Right. And B, he's not right. going to win it, Dre. As, as long as the Steelers are undefeated, he's just not going to win it. Like true that. I I, say, I didn't say win. I said get some votes. Oh well, yeah. But I but I feel you. But because Tomlin is the best coach in football right now, I'll say it. Yeah. Um, I, I felt. I mean, when you consider, hey, forget that they're ten and zero or whatever else. Just that his team didn't completely. Combust what he had, Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown. And Rod, like, think about what he's coached, and you never even knew how bad and how crazy those guys were. That guy knows how to coach. Yeah. I just love what they're doing. It's fun to watch. Well, um, and, and you can't forget that they're 10 and 0 because that's what it's about. Just like the Browns, you can look and say, oh my God, they're beating up bad teams. And they are. You know, um, 
these they've played three straight weather games. Oh, I don't. I mean, yesterday it rained hard, but the wind was nothing like it was. But they're just not. They're letting the other team make the mistakes, right? Um, well, we watched the Browns do the. Hey, the Browns have lost for twenty years that way. Yes. So God, it's their turn to figure it out. That's great that they figured out. All we got to do is not make mistakes. Let the other team make them, and we'll win. Yeah. I mean, there was a couple times on those bootleg, the fakes were so good and the design was so good that if Baker didn't run a 5.1240, like those would have been 25-yard runs because there was nobody on that side of the field. Yeah. By the way, he did fumble on that play, and the Browns got really lucky. Yeah, and and and, and you will, <laughs> right? Like the the bounces and the lucky. breaks will, <laughs> will go both ways over the course of the yes. year. And you need to take advantage of them. I think the Browns have scored 52 points off turnovers, something like that, you know, directly off of them. Um, they have a plus six ratio. Like, that's winning football. Right? You can argue all day about is it sustainable and what came where. And, and we know in the NFL with these rules, with the whistles and the replays, and even when something's clear as day. Like, both of them yesterday that were overturned were clear as day. But that doesn't mean over the course of the year that those always get overturned because we know they don't. <laughs> Right, you're right. Um, you're right. You're, you're absolutely right. <laughs> you just—it's yeah. weird though because we're used to those going against us. You know what I mean? Like, and I hate to—I hate you know I don't like being that guy, but I'm, I, I can be that guy right now. <laughs> um, hell, there's been a lot because there's been a lot of times where it just seemed like, and this is like, hey, and I and I correlate sports to life because shit, that's all I've ever done, and that's the only thing I want to do to be completely honest. Mm-hmm. But um, a lot of times in life, you make your own luck, and I don't even like the word luck. But for how many years have we watched every call go against the Browns, every penalty go against the Browns? Um, they were their worst. They were their worst enemy for for twenty years. So, should they have not scored that touchdown? Or, you know, because Baker fumbled and the and the whistle was blown. Hey, five years ago, two years ago, that would have went against the Browns. In twenty twenty, it goes the Browns, and it goes against. And I'm sure Eagles fans, and I'm sure Eagles fans are saying the same thing. Like, hey, what the hell? That play, you know, we got screwed there, and that changed the game. That's the Eagles season, though, so far. For whatever reason, that's how life is. And you make the most of it. You don't sit there and, and brag about it. You go out and score a touchdown the next play and say, shut up and run to the sideline. Yeah. I mean, it's going to be really interesting. Look, let's talk about the running backs and the quarterback in this by saying this. Um, if it's just about having the best quarterback, right, then, like, we need to fold 20 franchises. Right? We need to go to right. the Green Bay Packers and the Pittsburgh Steelers, two of the proudest and the best, and say, you got two years left and you're kicked out of the league. Right. Um, it's right. It's, it's not just about that. That's the best way to have sustained success. It's the best way to make everyone think you can win the Super Bowl. And it's the best way that over the ebbs and flows in the course of a season, when all the strange shit's happening, 2020 or not COVID or not right. To, to not be out of a game and to not have your season over because your quarterback can get you there. It's the most important position in sports. And there's no arguing that. Right. But there's reasons this thing is fascinating other than, you know, the Browns winning in spite of being the Browns and maybe starting to build something and maybe getting the guys to stick around and, you know, maybe having really, really, really good players in multiple spots. Like, no one – people are using two backs and three backs. No one either has these cats or uses them this way, right? Like, right. you said it. They play to hunt skill set, but they're not afraid to use them in other spots. They're pounding right. away with Chubb. They finally break one after he has super, some real impressive four-yard runs, right? 
they know the defense is going to react to a certain thing a certain way, and they bootleg out the backside and run a double move, and Kadero Hodge, of all people, is wide open. <laughs> right? So, again, like, I, I can't believe what I read in my Twitter mentions and sometimes my texts from people. Baker Mayfield is a C quarterback who's playing like a C quarterback. The Browns are winning. He's not a D quarterback. He's not an F quarterback. And there are a list of 35 excuses and reasons why he could still be better than he's been. And the weather hasn't helped, and the coaching change hasn't helped, and losing Odell hasn't helped. But he does not make Um, one throw that any average to above average or some even below average quarterback in this league cannot make. It is still cheering each time an eight-yard pass is completed. He had an Really good rookie year that was an A-plus by Brown standards and a B-plus, A-minus by real standards. He had a really bad second year that was a D by any standard and could be boosted up because the Browns were a shit show and it was too much too soon and all of that. And now he's in his third year. He's 25 years old. And it's pretty clear that he's a C quarterback, and that's what he's going to be. So we're headed to this fascinating decision to where the Browns can decide and try, knowing that it's not easy to replace them, and build this offense in 2020 where they're running the ball and they're continuing to invest in their O-line and they're just using these backs like nobody else is and they're trying. Or they can make a bold move and replace a quarterback who's going to win 10 or 11 or hell, even 12 games. Because he's a C quarterback, folks. That's all he's ever going to be. Get mad at me, yell at me, tweet at me all you want. It doesn't matter. I don't get paid one extra dollar from this podcast or from The Athletic for anything for being right or wrong, but I'm 100% right, and you all know it, and you can revisit it three weeks from now, three months from now, or three years from now. The Browns' window to win and compete in this league is open, and I promise I didn't script one bit of this, but he's a C quarterback, and you're never going to raise the trophy with Baker Mayfield. So you either have to realize that and move on, or you have to continue to get creative with this offense and hope that it can get you all the way. It's doing a great job of getting you where you need to get now. And we're and the Browns have a really interesting, really exciting, really intriguing stretch run here to end a long playoff drought and put this excitement really on turbo speed. But he's not ever going to be good enough. And of that, I am sure. I mean, him and his wife make really good commercials, though. So, uh, mashed potatoes are stuffing, Zeke. <laughs> speechless and I'm speechless but the man's man's words are the man's words um I think I wholeheartedly agree with everything you said but I'll say this maybe maybe easier to replace him when they have to than in any other time because of what's already set in motion Z. yeah like, like I said what you're I, I'm trying to leave the part where it's not easy to replace him out of it right right um I'm, I'm just saying, but like, it is, but it, but it will be, and I'll tell you why. It will be easier to replace them when it comes time, and that may be a year and a half away. That still may be a season and a half away. It probably is a season and a half away. But other quarter, if you can continue to, this is your identity. Other quarterbacks that get it will want to be here. And, you know, and Tannehill's been the one that I've used in, in the in, in the past 
But there are other quarterbacks, not, and some would laugh, and this is the first one that comes to mind because Taysom Hill looked like he could do the job yesterday. It was against the Falcons. That's nowhere here nor there. Who knows what that really means? But you think, like, and I, and I know people are going, I don't even want to say his name. The former Buccaneers quarterback, because he turns the ball over too much, but there are veteran quarterbacks or guys that are already in the league that would see what you have already established here that would go, hell yeah, put me in that Browns offense where I can play action and throw it down the field and hand it off 30 times a game and, we, and not turn it over. There are guys out there that can do that, that can make that throw. Because here's all I'll say and not piling on what Z said. You got away with a quarterback yesterday um, having bad pocket presence. You know, Peter King said it. Don't yell at me. Peter King even said, for a guy that's played quarterback his whole life, to watch the fumble that he had in the pocket shows you his pocket presence is really bad. Um, to let Fletcher Cox come through there and knock that out. Not being able to throw that touchdown pass twice in that corner. That's it. Guys, girls, that is a throw that you have to make as a quarterback at 15 years old, 25 years old, 35 years old, that you cannot miss. Whether you throw that like, – and it's, it's typical. He threw it short the first time, got lucky, got a, got a, um, got a, a, a P.I. on it. Then the second time, because he underthrew it, he overthrew it. Um, that's C quarterback stuff. And when you play better opponents, when you're playing the Pittsburgh Steelers, when you're playing the Baltimore Ravens, when you're playing the Kansas City Chiefs, you can't miss. you got to hit on that the first time because there ain't no second times when you play good teams. So let's enjoy where we're at. Enjoy 7-3 and because you should. Um, but I think before you get all pissy about Zach's words, you try to type out some tweet that you think is going to be witty and funny, and you think you're going to get under his his his, his air. He's barely got it. He's losing it like I do. It really doesn't matter because he just what we just said sets in motion, and people around the NFL see it and they're saying the same thing. The Browns have set up something really good, but you're not going to win big games with a quarterback that's not good in the pocket and is inaccurate as this guy has been. It's that simple. All right, a couple of things I want to roll through in the NFL with you because I know you like first of all. While talking about quarterbacks and drafting and filling them in, um, our man Fields had three interceptions. I, don't, I know I said it on his podcast last week. I'm not like the, like the boys that, that pick parlays, and I don't make you send me $15 uh, and tell you all the bets. But I know with all confidence that I said to you multiple times last week and others that Indiana would cover um, last week against the Buckeyes. I didn't know how they would, but I knew they would. But Justin Fields turned the ball over three times. And I thought that was okay because I thought it was good to see Ohio State in a game game for once. It was, and that might serve them well. Um, my observation is he's trying to do too much. And I think his coach is trying to have him do too much because they mm-hmm. were just gashing him with the run. They were just beating up the second level of Indiana's right. defense, right? I think, right. I think Justin Fields and Ryan Day were worried about the Heisman rather than putting that game away. Right? I don't like that. I don't like that. No, and, and listen, they're both really good. Ryan Day is awesome. The program's in great hands. Justin Fields mm-hmm. is super gifted. I just think he's pressing. I don't think he's a finished product, and nobody, nor did he doesn't need to be for his career or even for this year, right? They needed to win that game. Right. Uh, off the off week, they had a great start. I thought they got fat, happy, and greedy. I did. They still scored a bunch, and then Day doesn't kick the field goal. I mean, they that yeah. was far. That was Ohio State's C plus game. They score 42, they leave 10 out there, right? Like, right, right. <laughs> I'm not mad at Ohio State. I, like I said, they needed that. Everything you're saying is right. They needed that game. 
and good for Indiana. Hey, good for Indiana for what the Big Ten is doing right now. Good for Indiana and that program because they, you know, like they didn't quit because the old Indiana program would have rolled over. What was it? They were up. They were down twenty-one at one time in the second half. They would have rolled over. They didn't roll over, and Ohio State needed that. And to be quite honest, when you look at the rest of the schedule, that might be the game of games for Ohio State because the rest of the Big Ten is pathetic. I hear Michigan – some, and, I, and you know I don't do this, but I saw one of the, you know, the Michigan guys talk about recruiting, and he was like, after that great win over Rutgers, I was like, stop. Just stop. Like, <laughs> Rutgers – well, like, like, like – <laughs> Listen, I, I really don't have a side in the Ohio State-Michigan thing, right? My Neither parents aren't alums. I didn't grow up a huge super fan. And when I was – I've talked about this a hundred times. I was a Texas fan. I have tremendous respect for Ohio State's program, right? I really like Ryan Day from the little that I know of him. I just think they've done a great job. You know, I have a lot of friends that magically became honorary Ohio State alums in 2002 and for years have, you know, turned it up. <laughs> um, you know, to Michigan is just laughable because – Harbaugh is a legit nut, and they've been so disappointing. So Saturday night had no plans, and we decided to just keep it that way. Ordered it, order in honeymoon drive-through. True story, not selling. Sweatpants never got off the couch. Right? Thought Oklahoma, Oklahoma State would be a good game. The high school game was on. I think that was the Chardon game Saturday night. Just a whole bunch of nothing. Not a bet on a game. Not any plans to meet anyone or, or leave the house. Right? Just chill. And, like, the comedic value kept bringing me back to Michigan Rutgers. I know. I know. <laughs> I had two TVs, and that game got, actually got run. I yes. ended up having that game getting run, and I didn't think that game would get any. But I, I couldn't look away, Zach. I couldn't look away. Yeah. It's going to be real interesting. Um, Mike Lombardi, and you can think what you want about him, he's pretty connected in the football business. He was on the radio on Saturday morning, whatever he's on, uh, VEASAN, I think saying that Billy Napier from Louisiana Lafayette is going to get the Michigan job. So we doesn't know he, the natural storylines with Fickle. Have, does, do, wait, doesn't he have COVID now and, and their team's like out or something? Yeah, I think so. Um, <laughs> yeah, all right. D- Dustin's the Sunbelt correspondent. He, he's busy right now or we can <laughs> dial him up. But, you know, we know the natural storylines right there now. with Fickle. Wait, we can, we can, wait. We can dial Dustin right now. During his show, he would come right on. Yes, yes, he would. But we probably shouldn't talk about that. Um, Go ahead. I'll tell you what's going to be great. You know, usually, like I said, usually Thanksgiving Saturday for me means Ohio State, Michigan. It means get get your stuff done, get everything in order. And like, I have two friends that have in a normal year sizable Ohio State, Michigan parties. It's only time I see people, right? Everybody gets dressed up, gets jazzed up early. You know, it's fun. This year, it's not for a couple of weeks. This is December 12th. I honestly want Ohio State to score as many as they can. I want them to put 60 or more before Harbaugh gets fired. I just, I just, straight comedic value. That's, that's what. I want 70. That's, yeah, right. Like, more. I, that's what I want. And yeah. then, you know, yeah. we'll see what happens with Fickle. I know Matt Campbell's name has, has been out there in the news the last couple of weeks. I'm guessing that's probably not by accident. I don't know. But the Billy Napier thing, I mean, it, it's a, it's going to be an interesting job. And uh, we'll just see what happens. Yeah, we will. Um, I mentioned earlier, I thought the Ravens-Titans game. The uh, This is one of the first I watched, and this isn't a brag. I don't know if anybody watched more football than I did last weekend. with the two. I mean, I literally, from like 2 p.m. Saturday, um, until that, the game last night ended, 
I had two TVs going to football all, all day, all night. Um, the Ravens-Titans game was old school, Oilers, Browns. It was nasty. The coaches damn near fought before and after the game. Um, I think they beat the hell out of And just remember this, Zach, and you know how this league works. The, uh, you know I have all the respect in the world for the Ravens because I don't have – I do. And for Harbaugh. That Harbaugh I respect way more than the other one. I will say this. They got in a heavyweight fight yesterday, and now with the news coming down with COVID on their team and their building shut out and having to play Pittsburgh in three days, the Ravens may limp home the rest of the season after what they've gone through the last 48 hours or so. Yeah. They are so beat up, Zach. And then they play that game, the physicality of that game yesterday. And look, the Titans or the, um, yeah, the Titans don't have any better. They got a couple more days. The Titans have to go play uh, the Colts, who had an unbelievable comeback against Green Bay yesterday as well. That defense may be legit. And I know, um, I know uh, Lima actually put a tweet out saying he thinks the Browns went over Indianapolis is bigger now than what it was. And I can see where he's coming from, especially from him, and he's trying to generate tweets. I would say no because they didn't have their best defensive player um, when they played the Browns. But I'm telling you, man, the Titans are just so – they physically just pound the shit out of you. I don't know what they're going to have left by the time they play the Browns. I don't know what the Ravens are going to have left, um, especially with just the way this season has gone and training camps. Just remember I said that. Both of those teams just – it was a great game, Zach. It reminded me – of when Ray Lewis was tackling Eddie George 20. You remember how those games were? Like, it yeah. Was oh, yeah. Rock them, sock them. Um, it's football. It's football. I can't believe you give them the Titans and then you give them the Steelers within five days. That's not fair. And they're already without their left tackle. We talked last week about their defensive line being in shambles. Um, Jackson's going through what Jackson's going through, which young quarterbacks go through. Um, J.B. Dobbins was their running back, you know, yesterday. Let's see who they go with on Thursday. I think the Steelers are going to pound the crap out of them. Uh, and I never would say that in the past. And I think Indianapolis is going to have a good, cha- good chance against the Titans because I think that, type of, that game took that much out of both of those teams yesterday, in my opinion. No, that's certainly something to watch And as we get out of here because I just realized what time it is and I got to go. Um, you know, the Ravens, they've, we know the history there with the Browns, and we know that's one of the organizations the Browns are chasing them. And right now they've passed them in the standings. And it's almost December. We'll see. Um, the Browns are going to, you know, the last five games of this year for the Browns are, are going to be their own challenges and they're going to have stakes and that's going to be great. The reason, we talked about the quarterback. We'll always look at the big picture, all that stuff. We'll always keep it real with you too. But mm-hmm. the Ravens are the example of why when you get one of these seasons, you enjoy the hell out of it, right? Yep. Because you just don't know what each season can bring and how quickly it can go, right? And Because yep. the Ravens are good, but they're, they're beat yeah. up. And, and, and the Ravens have long – for as long as the new Browns have existed, the Ravens have been one of the gold standard organizations. They haven't always gotten to the Super Bowl, but they've won a couple, and they've been in the playoffs almost every year. And they've had stability, and they've had identity, and they've had super, superstar players, and they've had systems that last, and they've had a winning culture that's lasted. In a year where shit starts to go wrong, can go wrong in a hurry. You know, Mm -hmm. one position goes bad and it goes really bad. And so get a chance to stack some wins and play some meaningful games and judge where you are. Like I said, enjoy the fact that Miles Garrett, Nick Chubb, and Kareem Hunt are where they are in the NFL stat leaders. Because how long has it been since you could even look at those and say, right? Never. Like, never, ever. I remember I told you. 
I called you in September 3rd, whatever it is, and I said, you know that this is an Ohio fantasy football draft because Kareem Hunt just went in round five. Well, that was a really yeah. smart person that took Kareem Hunt in round five. That was a good five. move. Right? Yeah. <laughs> our four and t- our four and ten team wishes we take Kareem. No shit. <laughs> we should take him in the first round. Shit. Yeah. Jumbo number one overall. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. So I mean, look, just enjoy it. We'll see. Um, they, they the weather has been its own challenge. You know, the defense answered the call. We'll see what happens with Denzel Ward. You got to pray like crazy that he's uh, healthy. Going to Jacksonville. Uh, in a game you should win against a team that's not trying to win is its own challenge, and that sets the stage. Tennessee and Baltimore back-to-back, all sorts of playoff stakes, all sorts of evaluation points, all sorts of people watching and recognizing and paying attention to the Cleveland Browns sometime other than April 28th. It's fun. Enjoy it. We'll talk to you next time on A to Z. Konnichiwa, Dabo Sweeney.